Hey, my friends, how you doing? This is Aaron Maurer. Welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Guys, I have been just beyond giddy, like a little kid excited for their Halloween candy with time to go trick-or-treating for this episode. I get to speak with Lulu Miller, someone who I have so much respect for. I have followed her work. She is a co-founder of NPR's Invisibilia, that amazing podcast. She's done some work at Radio Lab. She's got a book coming out in April, and we spend time in this episode talking about wonder. How do we bring more wonder into our lives? And I think for any of us listening in on this show, there are so many wonderful ideas and things that she gives you to just pause and think about. So I am so excited to finally get this episode public. I have been just squealing with delight that I had a chance to speak with her and an opportunity then to just dive into the work that she does and how we can just take the first step out the door to bring more wonder into our lives. Guys, with this podcast, make sure you check the show notes. I've got links to her other presentations, link to her book. I've got quotes in there. Anything mentioned in the show today is going to be linked in the show notes for you to check out and explore more. If you like this episode, please share it. Tag us in Twitter. I'm Aaron Maurer, EDU. Get a hold of Lulu. Her Twitter handle is in the show notes. Share it on the social medias. Let us know what you think. And more importantly, jump on the Flipgrid. Give us a video response. Let us know what you were thinking. What thoughts were going through your head? All that wonderful stuff. Let's make it interactive and, and bring more wonder to the world. All right, my friends. Enjoy this episode with Lulu Miller. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug Books and we are here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And guys, I know you've heard me say how excited I am for the guests in this one. Man, I I have been giddy for weeks and this is just almost like a little like fanboying over here with this guest that we have and I'm so excited to to have this conversation both personally um, and also to bring another voice to uh, the education realm for a lot of us who may or may not know this guest and so um, Lulu if you could jump in introduce yourself what it is you do I know you do many things um, and we can just dive right into the fun of, of, of this conversation. All right. Well, I can't wait, and I am I am here to to likely disappoint, but I'm, <laughs> I'll try to live up to your to your fictional uh, dreams of me. Um, but no, so yeah. So I am a. I've been. I've actually been doing podcasting for a long time, like kind of since it it rolled around back in 2005. Um, and so I was a, a reporter and producer for Radio Lab for a long time, um, and then I left radio for a little bit. Went and did studied fiction writing at University of Virginia, and then came back and started the show Invisibilia, which is an hour-long um, radio documentary series about the invisible forces which shape human behavior. And and it's sort of like 
for the non-radio nerd <laughs> who hasn't heard this kind of show, it's like a, it's kind of like a documentary film, but for the ear. So there'll, there'll be interviews with scientists and things like that, but it's much more narrative. Um, often we really try to find someone going through something intense or hilarious or hard and follow their story and we add music. And then often that story will crash into an idea. Um, and I guess I describe it that way because it's not like your typical news or here's this breaking study. It's much more honestly story, story based. Um, and yeah, and so I've been doing that for a long time and um, am also finishing up a book, a creative nonfiction book. So it's all, all true. Um, that's about this kind of mad scientist guy from the 1800s and his quest to discover the secret order of life um, and the, the madness that, that ensues on such a quest in a world ruled by chaos. So, yeah, that's me. I'm a science reporter nerd who loves radio. <laughs> I, I love it. And I know I, I kind of joined in um, on, on your story late, I guess. I, I came across one of your talks on Creative Mornings, and you had this amazing conversation, or not conversation, but I guess it was. There was some Q&A there at the end, and you were talking about surreal and real, and then I started going down the rabbit hole of all the episodes of Invisibilia. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like where has this been? And so I, I was like like binge-listening binge uh, all these podcasts, and it's just been been so phenomenal in the, in, in the work that you do. Um and, and what I like about it, and it's something that I think is a lot of us are trying to figure out, at least in the education sense, and really I think just humans in general, is like this idea of, of perception. Like when I listen to like your, your, your podcast episodes or your talks or any of the work you do, it's, it's seeing the world in a different lens in the way that like there's all these amazing things around us that a lot of times we just don't even know. We, you know, we don't take the time to notice. And so I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. like – in your world and in, in like your work, like what are your thoughts about the idea of, of like perception and, and like how do you go about trying to see the world through a different lens? Because I think that that's really a skill that you have, being able to bring these stories to life and then to hold other skills, so obviously to tell them, but like to even discover these in the first place. Yeah, the kind of weird stories. Well, like I think in terms of finding things like wonder. Um, or why I'm so obsessed with perception, I think has to do with a little bit of my upbringing of just, I was raised by my dad's a scientist and he's like a very devout atheist. <laughs> and like, as soon as we could ask big questions, he was telling us like, there's no point to life. There's no <laughs> magic. The world is bleak. And, and so I think early on this like profound hunger for magic or something more, was kind of instilled in me like when people talk about wonder I think it often is this very twee like it, it's a word that we think of that has sparkles and is light and silly but for me wonder is like a matter of life and death a little bit like it's a desperate I am desperately looking for things that make the world feel less bleak and it's been a hunger and a desperation in me honestly for a long time um because otherwise, you know, on a dark day, the world feels flat and harsh and cruel. And, and like, so I'm kind of always looking for things that make the world seem not seem not what it seems um, in a way to like dazzle myself and warm myself and remember there's things to stick around for like that. It's a very like 
for me, it, it comes from a very like, desperate place, honestly. Um, and then it turns out when you like this kind of symbiotic relationship with science reporting um, that, you know, for me, I, I look for that stuff often in science. Um, I look for studies about perception or about, you know, even the animal kingdom or how our neurons work, or our cells work, whatever that that change that change our assumptions of how things work. And I like I find those moments when there's a paradigm shift or when a scientist discovers something new, like to be really exciting um, because that is always this kind of flick in the forehead. Like the world is stranger than you realize. Keep your eyes open, keep looking. Um, and so I think that is, that is um, maybe that's too spiritual of an answer, but like that's where it's coming from in me. Like I, it's just like a very, it's a hunger. Um and then, in, yeah, and then in terms of how to find them, like, we, we can talk about that. But that's kind of, I guess, that's 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 how I'd answer that one. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and, and as you're talking, I mean, it comes from you from, like, a, a sense of desperation, as you were saying. And I, and I look at it like, I, I work with a lot of educators and, and just adults in general. And what I find is so many of them um, are afraid to give themselves permission for wonder and inquiry and hmm. you know just looking at it through another lens almost like they've they've lost confidence in themselves or I'm not quite sure what the, what it is but there seems to be this glitch of just letting go um, I do the, these activities hmm. both with kids and adults and I do activities with, with Lego and kids just dive right in and, and there's some kids that need need a little pat in the back and a nudge if they don't have their own belief but when you work with adults they're, they're you know they're, they're always so much more hesitant and uh, I'm always yeah. intrigued by like how do we get ourselves to um, give ourselves permission to wonder, you know, right. and just see right. this the world through another lens. And um, I, I think it's something that that more of us need, um, and it seems to be lacking more and more, you know, in in in, in our society. Yeah. Right. I wonder if it's if it's fear or if it's even like, and I would get the fear because often as a teacher you are asked. To be an expert and that is like that's totally understandable if it feels scary to to admit you don't know or to not not kind of be approaching the world from a stance of expertise but I also wonder sometimes if it's if it's like forgetting if it's even just not knowing how like uh, yeah that it's um you know that like maybe people want to find wonder wonder such a delightful thing when it truly happens but that like part of this like that age-old thing that like part of growing up is you you lose the ability um and yeah I mean things I think like things that practical things that I'm always thinking about in terms of how to encounter wonder I mean one thing I do is like well one I'm I'm like a hawk for when I have a question in myself like when I actually am wondering about something they could be the smallest thing but whatever it is I keep track of it in my iPhone like I, I either in my notes or on this thing called Trello which is basically mm. like digital sticky notes it's a great little app that I like um, and I have these you know just lists that are super long some of things some of which I'll never go back to some of which I will and won't lead anywhere cool and then like 10% of which lead me somewhere cool you know yeah. but I but but that helps me like I don't have to always come like the question doesn't come it might only be once a month or once a you know maybe once a week but I do I am rigorous that like 
I have a horrible memory, so I will forget it. But one thing I make sure I do is if I have an actual question, you know, even if it's about something really small um, or if I if I come across a line in a article or even a novel, you know, like whatever it is, if I get that little like, you know, that little tingle that's like, ooh, the world is spookier than I think or there's a hole, there's right. something I don't understand. I am vigilant about writing it down because I know that like my grumpy expertise brain will forget it. Like it'll, it'll forget that I even wondered. So I do, I, that's one thing is like, I'm a hawk with noticing when I have a question or when something delights me, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, And then, and then, you know, and then like one thing I really do once I start to go out into the world to try to investigate it. um, And this could be, it doesn't have to be reporting. Like this could be, if you're a teacher, this could just be, talking about it with your friends or your partner or like at a holiday dinner, this could just be conversationally or even with your students. Like I, I, I force myself to like cash in that expert badge. Like I just, I let myself, I let myself show up as an amateur. And I think one of the reasons I like journalism is that like professionally you get to be an amateur. You, you, you get to not know. Um, and I know that that can be harder in other professions. Like in academia, you're supposed to be an expert. You're, that is your job in certain ways, you know, this tiny one area of expertise. But I think when, you, when you're just willing to, like, let go in a very profound way and just say, you know, the worst that happens is the room of people here think that I'm dumb or this person thinks I'm dumb or this person thinks I'm not well enough read or someone's cringing that I didn't catch a reference. Okay. That might happen. But then what you get in exchange is a people explaining enough so that you do suddenly understand more and then B, like you, you just dive into real conversation. Um, and so I think sometimes the entryway into wonder is just allowing yourself to sound dumb, knowing you'll survive it. <laughs> and then like pro- being promised that on the other side of that will be these kinds of conversations where you can just truly ask what you're wondering about. And you, you know, I think I'm like, I'm constantly, as I'm talking with someone, I'll tell the, I'll ask questions or then I'll also tell them what I'm hearing in it. And then I'll give them a chance to say, no, that's completely wrong. But, but it's kind of like this. And sometimes me, saying what I hear in it spiritually or in a meaningful, you know, like the meaning I'm drawing from it. Sometimes that'll, it'll be totally wrong. You're not what they see, but my idea will shake something loose in their head. And then you start to get this ping ponging of ideas start coming down. And, and so like, those are a few of the actual tangible things I do, you know, like just (laughs) write things down. Don't be afraid to be dumb. Shout out, shout, share, share the interpretations you're having, even if they're, poorly formed or again sound dumb or wacky like just just get it out there you know yeah yeah no it's 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 i was i'm over here like laughing to myself you're talking about documenting your stuff to your phone and i um i do something even 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 nerdier i i text myself my ideas knowing that knowing that you know my phone like i know that my brain has been conditioned that if there is a number by my, you know, by my message screen, I know that I will check it. So, you know, later yeah. on the day, I'm like, I check it. I'm like, oh, yeah, at, at 10 a.m. today, I, I thought this idea. And then I have it, you know, and then I, I write it down. And the other thing I've been doing, too, which is very similar to you, is I have these notebooks where I just scribble stuff all the time. Like, 
I can't even read my writing yeah. half the time. And now I've been going back, like the older notebooks, like a, over a year old. I'm now going back and I'm typing. I'm actually like typing the notes up. And what it's doing is it's 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 like unearthing like all these discoveries of all these ideas that I didn't really do much with. But now I'm like. Oh my gosh! Like I'm, I'm looking at it through a different lens of where I'm at later in, in my life journey, and some of these ideas are coming back to fruition. You know, where I wasn't ready for right. it a year a year ago, or wherever I scribbled it down, but now it's like, oh, it's time to do something with this. And so, it's, it's, oh it's, my it, gosh, I love totally. it. Yeah, things, yeah, things, things like age, and even with in journalism, stories. Sometimes you know, I'll get, I'll do one interview, and then end up for various reasons like sitting on it for what can be years and and sometimes I can feel frustrating like oh it's not going anywhere but then maybe I check back in with the person and then it's it's changed like I'm more ready for it something has happened in their life and and then and then suddenly I've like documented something that takes place over a few years so yeah I think you know whatever it may be sometimes the thing isn't ready yet but it'll like if you just make a make a mark of it you can come back to it and and synthesize it with new ideas you're learning or thinking about and suddenly it like it like catalyzes you know yeah yeah it's kind of like a good marinade yeah. you know just let it gotta let it soak in a little yes, bit exactly. <laughs> yeah so, so as, as we consider totally. continue to talk about this idea of wonder the something that like I, I somewhat experienced on a, just a family vacation. We we took a family vacation before all the craziness of life got went back full spectrum with with our kids in school, and we're like, we're gonna go to a vacation, and we're like, just gonna seriously like make ourselves bored. Um, and we yeah. were so like uncomfortable on this vacation because we're like, how how do we be bored, you know? And um, <laughs> just and even just today this morning, I came across this quote, and um. And, and the quote was, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And so my, my question to you is, I'm thinking about this quote, and I'm thinking about our va- family vacation. Eventually, we, we kind of came into our own of understanding that it's okay to be bored. Like, there's, I also think why we struggle so much with wonder is because we don't have this, like, quote-unquote downtime. We're so quick to jump onto our phone or so quick to jump on, on the TV or whatever our, our hobbies might be that we don't allow ourselves to get to this this state of wonder. And so I, I'm, I'm curious yeah. what, your, what your thoughts are as, you know, you do your investigative journaling and you're out in the world and you're seeing all sorts of different people and things happening. Like, what are your thoughts on that around, like, giving ourselves time like forcing ourselves really yeah. to be bored, to allow ourselves to wonder, as opposed to just being where we we feel like we have to be busy twenty four seven in order, like to you know kind of keep up with the Joneses, as they say. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I think it is good for you for doing that. Like, I think it's so important for the brain to just get that space, even if it feels uncomfortable at first. And my my actually the ringer on my phone just broke about three days ago so i can't like i get my texts but i don't see that they're coming in and i don't hear calls coming in which i am gonna have to get (laughs) but right now um but like maybe i don't i think i probably do but um but oh man there's just been this piece of just you know i put my phone down and then and and then i work on the thing i'm writing or reading or you know, I take my dog for the walk and, and like, I'm not getting these little invasions, which I, which in the moment find seem pleasurable. Like it's, 
a friend or, you know, it's, it's, it's not even that the things that are coming in are bad necessarily, but it's just that split attention. And so I think, but yeah, I think creating hard boundaries around maybe even just 10 minutes a day, like not being ambitious at first, but just, just saying, you know, this part of my commute, I'm not going to throw in music or a podcast or anything. Like, I'm just going to, this is this little sacred amount of time where I just force myself to practice, you know, what am I looking at? What does it smell like? What are the trees doing? What am I thinking about? Um, where you don't have to be on, on, on. But but at the same time, for me, I think like a lot of wonder actually comes when I force myself out into the world. Like just for me, a lot, for me personally, the ideas don't necessarily come when I'm offline. Like they, they often come when I have like some little question that gets me out into the world, asking somebody a question on the phone, whatever, and then being open to the conversation going elsewhere. So that's another thing I think about like that, that oftentimes like the question I have or the hunch is what gets me out the door. But then the discovery that happens is so much better. You know, it's like wilder than anything I could dream. And so um, I do think like, or, or going to the movies or, you know, watching a show or reading. I think a lot of the time, for me, the wonder comes from deluging myself in input, but not in a pressured, exhaustive, right. painful way, but in a, you know, and like, and also consuming outside of my form. So like, not just listening to podcasts, you know, not just reading creative nonfiction journalism. I do that. And I love that. I mean, I, I love it. But, but I think like, you know going to fiction or cartoons or whatever it may be just to completely think about what are other people thinking about how are they telling stories what ideas are they playing with and and just letting that like letting my brain be a sponge and just seeing what what else it it kind of you know um just what it shapes loose so that's I think for me that's how and then the best stuff though the best stuff like really often comes once I just get off of you know, get off of the computer, get out of the, and talk to people. And that's where the ideas really shake loose for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, that, and it leads me into like, so in your work that you do and you're, you're trying to develop these stories and, and find these, these different fascinating things that are happening all over the world and in the lives of people and so forth. Like one of the things that, that I see is like, we, I think we, in education, we do a really great job of, providing questions for kids to come up with solutions to, you know, but one of the things that I think mm. that, mm. that we need to do better, um, and that's just collectively as a whole system itself is like trying to find a way to help kids find the problem or find the question first, mm. you know, because I think mm. that that's really going to be a key for just humanity going forward. The, the people that are, are figuring out how to, ask the right questions so then we can actually then obviously proceed to find the right solutions and so um i'm curious as i mean as you're going out and you're talking to people and experimenting in the world and all these things to create this this sense of wonder like how do you go about i mean maybe that that is just it and the the questions just happen but I'm, i'm just thinking through like how do we start to help ourselves figure out how to ask the right questions you know what i mean like and uh, I, I don't mean that yes. in a, oh a no. lesson plan way it's almost more just like humanity way of you know because i think we're so yes. good at going okay well, i can come up with a solution no, totally but, i mean yeah. you're, you're you're hitting on something so interesting i think it's a great question because 
Um, and what it makes me think of is so right. So in journalism, you have the limitation of like, okay, I can think of whatever I happen to wonder about and care about. And then I can like try to get really creative in who I go to, to answer it. So that's one step, you know, um, don't go to an expert, go to an unexpected expert. That's something I'm always trying to think of. Like who's, you know, open, open up where you're taking that question. Don't always go to like the Harvard scholar on so-and-so topic, like really think about who the expert, the expert is and change up your sense of an expert. Um, So that's one thing, but then, right. You are still limited by what you think of, or maybe what your editor thinks of, or your, you know, coworker, you know, it's like a group of five of you maybe. And there's this, um, so there's this show in Chicago, that, a radio show called Curious City. Mm. And it was started years ago by this woman, Jen Brandell, who I bet would be amazing to talk to for the podcast too. Um, and she, she was puzzling over just that. She saw that journalism had a problem, that newsrooms were only coming up with their story ideas from edit- editors or reporters, and that that circle of people felt too small. And so she, she put the word out. She created a show basically where she asked the people of Chicago to write in with their questions. What did they want to see investigated about their city? And, and, and then she used the reporters and the editors to think of really fun ways to answer it. Mm. But she let the people of Chicago, you know, like millions of people be the ones coming up with the questions. And so she just flipped, like, where does that story come from? And she ended up, Curious City is still going. It's so quirky and it can be deep. It can be dark. It can be whimsical. It's like got such a great range as humanity does. Yeah. And she, she then, she then got really interested actually in the software and in the process of harnessing other ideas. And she like started this um, whole app called Harkin where she teaches other newsrooms how to collect other people's questions, but then filter it in really fun ways. So audiences can, vote on which one they want the newsroom to cover and it's and her whole like she has dedicated her the last 10 years of her career to that exact question of how do you get out of your own box and I'm I'm sure she's worked with teachers so she'd be interesting to talk to but like I yeah I think I do think about that I mean me yeah how do you I think sometimes it can be daunting to just ask students or anybody what do you care about because it's like almost too broad yeah but I think sometimes giving a slightly more refined prompt of you know what if that was something teachers played with once a week where where you know every Tuesday or you know like some fun moment in the week some right moment in the day I don't know if that would be morning or afternoon or you know but like maybe there's a prompt that okay I want you know everyone to or maybe it's on Monday you to think about a question you have about the environment or what do you want to know about oh this park we're going to and give them a couple of days to even think about it. Cause I think sometimes when you have to think on the spot in a classroom, that's not where the ideas come from. It, it comes later. So like, what if that was something where you're just collecting, you know, there's going to be crap. And so like, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think give it, letting there be prompts and just getting, you know, maybe by the end of the year, you'd have hundreds of questions and looking back at them and then choosing the ones as a class that you want to investigate and letting it be low stakes, you know? Um, but I think that's a great idea of, of, of thinking of creative ways to harness the question of what to even study or talk about from the kids themselves. Like that's such a good idea. I yeah. Think. And it um, just, yeah, it almost makes yeah. me think of just like, like 
just practicing asking questions like it's it, you know it's something yes. that is innate in nature when we're when we're little and there's all sorts of research right. that shows the amount of questions that re, are, are reduced the older we get that it's like going back to this idea of just even as adults like asking questions like just practicing that you know and i love the idea you talked about it almost reminds me of uh i think it was in that in that creative morning talk where i think one of your suggestions was like to ask someone three questions you don't really care about you know <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah, uh and like yeah three more yeah 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 and i've been doing right. that because there's times after the moment yeah yeah oh, and i and i've been like trying to challenge myself to do that now people listening are gonna be like great He's, has he done that to me but you know but it's just like right, I, right. i'm trying to keep myself like how does like how do we we lead how do we get ourselves down pathways that maybe we didn't initially plan for? Like, how do we get past like the same old kind of conversation when you're with a group of people, you know? And so I'm always like in the back of my head, okay, how do I ask this kind of random question, but yet it still kind of fits into the context. And, you know, like I find myself like, I'm doing a lot of thinking here. Like it's constantly like, it's hard to ask good questions, you know? And I'm like, and here I am, you know, like I feel somewhat intelligent. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not, but I'm like, man, it shouldn't be so hard, but it's, it's an art. You have to, you know, you have to practice it. And so I think that that's something that seems so done. Aha. But it's like, Okay, that is so true. You know, we have to be able to. No, and it's like muscular. Yeah. To keep listening, to keep paying attention through those, like those parts where someone's talking and you actually get bored or you're flaking, to to yourself to like steer in and listen. And then I think the other thing is ask what you actually care about. Rude, or again dumb, or whatever. But like. Don't ask the proper question, but but ask the like the juicy one because that's eventually you know that's going to get you quicker to to interesting conversations. And I think people often get so weirded out, but in a good way. They're like, "Oh, you're asking real questions." Like it, it. I think I think that it can just it can just suddenly take the question, you know, the conversation into this space where you're both actually interested, where you're both puzzling through something and you know, life's short, like, why not be honest with each other? And maybe you offend someone, but, but then you, you say, you know, you don't have to answer, but I, this is what I wondered. If that's too much, we don't have to go there. Like you can couch it in politeness and you can, you can make it over awkward moments, you know, like that's something I'm learning as like a formerly rather not quite shy, but like afraid of asking (laughs) real questions. I, I think I'm just constantly learning that whatever I was so afraid of rarely happens. I think if you, if you're really listening with someone and if you're really open to what they're saying, and if you're not overly confrontational, like it's hard to offend someone because you could, you're just asking and they, they don't have to answer and, and it's okay. And like that, that's something that's been a, a huge sort of life lesson for me in the journey of becoming a journalist is just like people respond really well when you really ask them what's on your mind. Yeah, um, and, and don't you think there's yeah, there, there, there's a human yeah. human element in there of if you go back to like what you were saying earlier, like if you really if you really want to know the answer to that question, you're passionate about that question that you truly care curious about, regardless of how juicy it is, and you ask someone that, like like they're gonna feel that that emotion. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're gonna feel like this person's yeah. really being sincere with this question. Maybe I'm not ready to answer, but they don't take to the offensive, like because I think you just know, like man, this person really wants to know this. <laughs> you know, it's not it's right. not, not yeah. this state of like superficiality where like uh 
they're just trying to check boxes or, you know, they're trying to move up the ladder. It's like, yeah, no, right. they're truly curious, you know? And I think that, that, yeah. that brings a calm to, to, to the conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, in terms of thinking about questions, like you saying that you're interested in purposeful play, I do think, I mean, I think back on my education and like hands down my favorite, I mean, probably my favorite lesson was, I think it was, seventh or eighth grade science class where we had to build solar cars and race them against each other Mm. and it was just like we had a solar we had been learning about gears and how they work and if the big one or the little one makes you know what's better for speed what's better for inertia like that stuff and then we had this cool like there was a solar panel you had you had a solar panel and you had to you had to put an empty soda can into the car so that was like the one design constraint um you know like would you put that, like, would it be a triangle? Would it be, you know, that, and then, and then you had to, and then we raced them. We went out to like this sunny parking lot and we raced them. And then it was this really fun mix of competition. And we had teams of three. We each got to name the car. We each, and we like, are we, you know, each team got to name the car and you could paint it. So you were doing like engineering, you were doing like pithy wordplay you were doing design and then there was a competition and like the questions that came out of that making like that was so fun and it was also bizarrely empowering to be like i built a car and we didn't at all there were these (laughs) tiny motors but we did yeah we did there was a solar power and the gear you know and like i still to this day it was so much fun and things you know like the egg building the structure to not let the egg break or I think, like, I just think, you know, those kinds of activities, like, or, or building dioramas of books we had to read instead of doing book reports. I think just getting kids, you know, and this is obviously probably not something new to any of your listeners, but I, I just, as, as I was thinking about education and purposeful play, like, those are that last, those are where I actually had the puzzles where I was, you know, I was, like, operating the thing was slightly too hard for me and I had to learn by making and that's where the real questions come and where I actually favored the answers because it was helping me make something tactile in the world. And as a, you know, like there's just something that was so just neat about that. Like we were, we were, we were leaping off the page. We were getting out of the dry and dusty feeling of school. Like it was so, you know, it was another antidote to that world feeling flat feeling. And I I think, I think kids are just so hungry for that. They (laughs) are. Yeah. And and those activities, you know what I mean? I I love that that you bring that up, you know, that those are things that you actually vividly remember. And we talk a lot about that. It's this idea of like, there's the creative constraints of the materials and the time and maybe the topic, but the, at the end of the day, you've built something that's, that's yours. Like that was your solar car, you know, like you, we have ownership in that. And when we have ownership in any kind of creation, like that's powerful, that stuff, you know, that, that, that's the learning that sticks. It sticks to the emotions and whether it's successful or a failure, you know, like we don't forget those things. It's, it's those, you know, um, I I often joke, like our goal is to avoid like, like the brownie recipe effect where everybody's making the same piece of crap, right? Like we need our own, we need our own dessert, you know, we need our own little slice that we've made, whether, you know, whether we put the wrong ingredients in or not. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Have you have you ever heard of the IKEA effect? 
I have was, a little bit, you, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just, it's a great, it was, I heard a report by um, Shankar Vedantam, who's awesome. He's at NPR, and he does the hidden brain, and it's similar to Invisibilia in that it's like looking at these surprising, you know, sort of factoids and oddities about human behavior, but he did a great report on it. It's just basically like if you build it yourself, even if it's messed up, you love it more. <laughs> like, yeah, like that people will, yeah, like keep their IKEA furniture even if it has the dent <laughs> or whatever because they made it. And there's like this weird pride and investment of time. And and um, I mean, I am very happy to get rid of my IKEA furniture as I age. So maybe I'm an outlier, but uh, no. But like, yeah, no, I, hear I think that that's that's so true. But yeah, and another thing for for questions i mean i do think something that could be fun for teachers or for the or for the students is is just um putting an open-ended question to putting it out there to as many people as you can um there's a show called reply all that recently did an episode called permanent record Mm -hmm. and what that was was they just they put out to the internet they said like is there anything that you are ashamed about that's still online that you wish was could be taken down that you know still causes you pain and it could be anything from little and silly to really big and that was all they put out there but that was a great question that's going to have some emotional heat that's going to have humor you know like that's a good prompt and they opened the phone lines and they they sent one producer to go interview all these people and that that episode you know, usually I personally prefer an episode where there's like a story with a beginning, middle and end and it's surprising. But this was just kind of hearing the chorus of things. And it was so the stories were so interesting. And the things that that prompt brought in the door. Yes, it, it gives you like the funny thing that's online and whatever's still stuck and they're struggling with. But then each one was also its own little world, its own little narrative. And I'm still thinking about it. And the last one made me weep. It was so powerful. And I think I think that like the process of I, I often think of this as like your your blessing, your the more I think of it as like the numbers game. So take the simple question and force yourself to take it to twenty people. And maybe 15 of those are totally boring and you don't get anything interesting, but five of them or even three of them, or even one, if one of them is interesting, then you're, you're bringing new wonder in. And so like, that's something I think of a lot too in reporting. And I'm sure there are resonances for education is just the numbers game. Like just bless each action with low stakes. So if it doesn't work, if you don't get anything interesting, that's fine. But you might get that one thing where, like, your weird question really jangles something in somebody. And and so that's something I'm thinking about a lot, too. It's like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think even within a classroom or whatever kind of setting where we work with other people, that, that low-stakes opportunity of, of posing the right question, like, you never know where that hidden gem's going to be. You know, like they, there's always those quotes about like, you know, the smartest person in the room is the room type concept. Like someone's laying on that million dollar question or idea that's just going to open, the, open the floodgates to new ideas and new yeah. wonder. It just becomes this awesome domino effect, you know, but it starts yeah. with creating this space that's safe. It starts with creating this, this, this prompt that people are willing to go, okay, I'm willing to go there with you. Here's my idea, you know? And then once you've got that, yeah, right, be ready right. to go, you know? And I think that, that, that's so powerful. Right, right, right. 
Totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to be super respectful of your time. I know you are a, a crazy busy person. You've got lots of moving parts and I'm just beyond honored to have the chance to, to speak with you. This has just been such a, a, a wonderful delight. Um, Lulu, for those that are, are listening in and definitely all the links in the show notes, if people want to follow your journey, learn more about you and the work that you do. And I know you and, and your new book is coming out in April, I believe. Is that right? April is when it finally yes, goes live. It so, is. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. so all these things, it true. it's going to, I think this is going to just create a huge net of, of conversation um, with the people that listen to this show. Where, where's the best place for them to uh, check out your work and, and learn more about you? You know what's so weird is like I was I Twitter maybe I, um, but I, I say it's weird because I did not want to join I was just like no and NPR made me years ago and then I am like the worst and I adore it um, so that's a that's a place you could do it's just L Miller NPR um, but I do have this little website which is um, Lou Times Two so spell out times like Lou Times Two. Uh, dot com and that's that has that has links to a bunch of my radio pieces some of the stuff i've written and, and info on the book so that might be the easiest way um but let me just say i i just like i admire so much what you're doing i have tried to teach found it painfully impossible and hard <laughs> like when i think about the profession that i have hands down the most admiration for like bless doctors we need them bless scientists all that but it is teachers I mean, like you, what you do is so hard and so I think in certain ways thankless. And I am just, I'm like, I'm so grateful for what all of you do and for what you do and just thinking about new ways to think about it. And I just, I just hope you know how, how admired and appreciated you are. Uh, well, I thank you. And I, I thank you on behalf of every educator listening in, um, you know, it's uh everybody's got gifts to do amazing work and you've got gifts in the work that you do. And, and as well as all the, the educators, you know, they work tirelessly in, in what they do. And, you know, we always talk a lot about it in our circles. It's, it's, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm so yeah. appreciative of, of that. Uh, you know, sometimes those, those positive comments is exactly what many educators need to keep going because there are days, you know, where sometimes they shake their head and go, I don't know if I can keep doing this, you know, but, but it's, it's their calling. And so, um, you know, really, really uh, appreciate that. That's a very nice of you to say and think and, and believe, which is what makes it so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, have fun, have fun editing and, um, and yeah, just holler if you have any other questions at all. 